You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Congress brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. An Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Has Jordan, Allen shakes three, gets two! Gilmore on the stop! Oh! Oh, brother! Lead to lead, Artis, you get 21! 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast at HarderProcessing.com. I am Jason Mann. With me, as usual, is Rich Krejci. Hello, Rich. Hi. Uh, did anything happen? Uh, I, I was gone last week. I was moving, so I don't know if anything uh, happened in basketball, but uh, I feel uh, you can clue me in, so okay. I'm, uh, I'm waiting. Um, have you... Oh, I saw Chandler Parsons signed a deal with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. That's, wow, Pretty big news. how significant. Yeah, I, I feel like we should talk a lot about that. <laughs> Um, Timothy Mozgov. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at I'm looking at the newswire right now. Yeah, Timothy Mozgov to the Lakers. Wow, a lot of yeah. really important moves going yeah, on. Movers and keep, shakers of the world. Keep looking. You know. See okay, I'll keep. Other, uh, probably some bigger news there. Uh, let's see here. Um, Zaza Pachulia, Warrior. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He he's, he's that team's really really upgraded yeah, from last year. That's, so. that's true. That's true. So, of course, we are the the big news. Yes. Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors, uh, leaving the team that he had played for his entire career, leaving the team for, for the team that beat his team, um, overcoming a 3-1 series lead before they, in fact, lost a 3-1 series lead in the finals. The Golden State Warriors, uh, the, uh, the the team of the moment, the team of the last couple of years in, in, in terms of uh, dominating the uh, story of the league, even though they lost in the uh, finals, but they, of course, won 73 Wins during the season, one of the greatest uh, teams of all time, even without the championship. I, I still put them in that category. Um, uh, so there's obviously been a lot of discussion in the past few days about Durant um, 
you know, how people talk about Durant, how people feel about it. Um, I've seen a lot of conversations. Some of it, um, I, most of it, I think, is, um, you know, is, is trying to be fair to him, but, um, uh, but, you know, but, but is not, you know, there's different sides of this. There is the, is this how a superstar behaves? Is this, you know, is he being disloyal does it just sort of suck from a competitive perspective so we wanted to kind of unpack the things that we had seen discussed sort of see where they come from what weigh in on a little bit but just sort of i i think it's more about it's less about debating it and more about talking about the conversation mm-hmm. itself um and also we have a lot of things that um even though you know there, there's never been a player as great at durant at this point in his career him being only uh, 27 or 28 to join a team as great as the Warriors because that that combination of things has never happened before um you know with the salary cap rise a team like the Warriors um has never had an opportunity like this Durant's you know a player like, and Durant's stature has never really had an opportunity like this to join a team this stacked already even though they had to make some cuts to get Durant going so um obviously there's a lot to unpack here um any, anything you want to throw in there before we kind of get started uh, no, not really. I mean, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of the historical context as well of, of yeah. other guys. Like you said, it's kind of hard because there isn't like this comp of, of the Warriors are such a special thing of what they were able to do and how were they able to do it. And like the cap has to expand. You know, Kevin Durant has to be this player that comes in at a certain age and signs, you know, X amount of deals. So he's available at this time. And the big thing, too, that people are kind of forgetting as well is that a lot of it is that Steph Curry had to sign a, a what what people are sort of in retrospect going oh it's such a team friendly contract well at the time he was you know an oft injured you know leaky ankled like guard that nobody was really sure what he was going to do if he was going to be healthy and it just so happened that you know they signed into this deal and you know in the Warriors they probably took a little bit of a risk because he could have just had a horrible ankle injury and said you know what hey I'm never going to be that good my ankles won't hold up or whatever but instead he turned into you know <laughs> one of the greatest shooters of all time. Um, and then they got, you know, into decent drafts with guys like a Draymond Green and a Clay Thompson. They were able to draft those three guys, the Clay, the Steph, Draymond, sign Steph to a team-friendly deal, you know, be able to get those guys to all buy in uh, to, you know, a Steve Kerr bringing a new coach, and that coach just instantly clicks with them. And then Durant just so happens to be available when the salary cap. And, like, there's so many things that have to happen to make this scenario play out so that there isn't really a comp so people looking for you know direct historical comps you're never going to find that but we found a few that are are, are relatively similar i think in in a lot of ways yeah Uh, one thing before we can do it that just that's going to lead into a decent conversation there is i think the one because you can kind of see how the warriors were built and the thunder were built and both are built through having really great success in the draft of having you know three or four years of just incredible drafts in a row the Thunder getting Durant, of course, at first, then Westbrook and Harden and um, and other players as well. Um, and um, Serge Ibaka, that's what I was thinking of, who's, of yeah. course, frustrated. Um, the Warriors, of course, getting uh, getting Steph and then Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, all those guys, you know, um, those were lottery guys, not, not Draymond, but uh, Thompson and Curry were, you know, they were lottery guys, but they were, you know, not like top five picks. Like they were, you know, eighth and ninth around that spot. So they, they, they were, you know, benefited from some luck in, uh, you both teams did. But what, what the Warriors did that the Thunder never really were able to do is the Warriors put in players who were kind of, you know, complete veterans with a lot of like multidimensional skills who were sort of like established players putting in Iguodala, putting in Bogut, putting in Livingston, guys like that who were perfect complements for their stars. And 
the Thunder were never quite able to Kendrick Perkins. accomplish it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they right. had you know they had veterans too. I mean, they, you know they had Nick Collison, who's you know good um, role player. It's not like they didn't have talent around them, but it was just uh, you know the the chances that the Warriors took on that talent on that established talent, even though the you know Curry and Draymond, all those guys are you know were started off very young and you know we kind of became superstars in their in their mid-20s or so um the thunder's timeline was a little bit earlier but but the yeah. you know the the thunder kind of stayed ahead of their timeline a little bit and tried to get you know guys kind of with upside and kind of guys with potential but didn't necessarily have the same complete players um to, to complement those guys and you know whether how much that had to do with it is is up in the air we're not going to litigate everything that's happened but I, I you know we're gonna have a little more discussion about you know kind of how the thunder built the team and you know and um and, and things like that and kind of where they go where, where they fit among the you know what if possible dynasties of all time and i, I think you know um I, that that should be thought about when we have that conversation sure um so you know I guess the first thing is the opinion is, you know, Kevin Durant taking the easy way out. Like, you know, on one hand, like, yes, I, I think it's going to be easier for him to win multiple championships um, with the Warriors, with the Thunder. Like he has a chance with the Warriors to really to 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 be a dynasty. I mean, the, the temple is there. You never know if it's going to work. Obviously, they lost to Cleveland this year, which no, no very few people saw coming. Um, so it's, it's far from guaranteed, but they certainly, you know, they have four players who are in their late twenties who seem to complement each other perfectly, who have, you know, unbelievable shooting and playmaking and passing. Um, so is this taking the easy way out? Is this how a superstar behaves? How do you feel about that? Yeah, for me, it's not necessarily the easy way. Um, and, and by the way, for, for the record, I don't, you know, to me, I, I'm not. I don't care that he did this. It's fine. You know, I actually enjoy the Warriors. I'm going to enjoy watching this team, you know, next year. And I'm going to enjoy people. I like the idea of a super team and people trying to fight the super team. Like when the heat thing happened initially, you know, I was kind of like, oh man, LeBron, like I like it better when he was in Cleveland. I like, I like that idea. I like the, you know, maybe the Dirk model of just keep fighting, 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 fighting. And eventually you'll get there. You know, eventually maybe you'll win a title. And that's so sweet. That's cool, but it's really cool, too, to see a super team as well. And then if it becomes a thing where people are are going after that team of, of every game now uh, against the Warriors are going to be appointment television. That with, with the big three of the Heat, that's how it was. You could not skip one of their games because you knew whatever team they were facing, be it a Utah, be it Memphis, it didn't matter who it was, they were going to bring their best because they wanted to beat the super team or whatever. Like that, That's really fun. That's kind of cool. At the same time, uh, maybe it's a boring pick from Durant because I almost kind of like this idea of Oklahoma City and the Warriors being that sort of one-two punch in the West for a while. I mean, that that's sort of a maybe sort of fantasy world that I had that Westbrook and Durant would go, hey, man, you know, we're, we're, we got this close this year. Hey, we, we were one game away from toppling these guys and going to the finals and do whatever. You know, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's add this. Let's maybe I, I like that idea, too. I always like, you know, we, we on this podcast, we talk a bunch about, you know, Celtics Lakers of the 80s and uh, of other eras of how cool that was. You know, the Pistons Bulls of the late 80s, early 90s of that sort of embedded rivalries of those two teams that just battle each other time and time and time again. And then, you know, maybe this side, this side gets a little advantage and then this side does. And this side, that that's cool. You kind of lose that now with this Durant thing. And that's why the, I would almost call it in a sense, maybe boring or disappointing, but I don't care that Durant went there. I don't care that I, you know, a superstar can do this. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the idea that there's a template for how superstars 
behave and, and how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to approach their careers and what they do is just silly. And we're going to talk about examples in history where the superstars have done this, like guys that are all time great players, top 10 all time players have done this exact same thing, you know, not to the same level maybe as Durant, but they've they've done this. And it's not like a crazy thing, like the idea that there's a template that this guy just sticks with the team that drafted with him and does whatever he can to win with that team is just it, it's weird. And it's just not true. It's just it. Guys don't do that. It, it just yeah. doesn't happen. I mean, guys have obviously done done that. I mean, a lot of yeah, oh yeah, you know, special players have stayed with their their team, and it, I, I there is something special about the the you know a, a Tim Duncan career or you know a guys who are able to or Kobe you know guys who are able to have a lot of success for one franchise. Uh, you know, there there is something special and interesting about that, but I don't think there there's any moral virtue in it. Um, right, especially when Kobe won, you know, Kobe's first three titles were as a result of a superstar coming to his team. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's right. you know, we, uh, there's examples of countless ones. Yes, everybody. The problem is, and and we come into this with almost any NBA discussion that we seem to have these days with the, with the masses is that like, yes, Michael Jordan won a bunch of titles with the Bulls. He stayed there. He was the leader. He was the and people kind of assume that everybody now has to follow this sort of template uh, of. Oh, well, Jordan did this and Jordan, you, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's such a strong cloud over how anybody thinks of modern superstars. Like, we know that LeBron follows that cloud all the time of the Michael Jordan thing. It's just always, you know, always not following the Michael Jordan template. So we, oh, boo, hiss, you know, it, it's just, it's a very strange behavior that people have with it. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I get, I, I do think there is something that's going to be missed in the fact that the Thunder it did seem like a really interesting, exciting, budding rivalry between yeah. the, the Thunder and the Warriors, and we're not going to get that. And that is a bummer. Um, but you know, this is does open up you know, a couple of things. One, like I, I, I don't think that the idea that he doesn't want to be the star or doesn't want the pressure, um, hold, you know, um, holds much water to me because you know he's gonna get the pressure i mean they're they're gonna have yeah. such pressure on them lebron yeah lebron definitely skirted any and all pressure once he went to the <laughs> miami like nobody cared a thing about lebron you know what yeah. i mean like I, yeah I, like he's not gonna get you know yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I there are yeah there's gonna be so much scrutiny for this there's going to be so much focus on this and you know if there's any sign of trouble it's going to be you know it's going to be an issue for him and you know from from some of the reporting like royce young's um you know, reporting like Durant is definitely a guy who hears the criticism and listens to it and, you know, is is it's occasionally angered by it and affected by it. And that's fine. It, it, it's human. It, it's it's, you know, the, not, you know, um, you know, we all have things that, you know, we, we all have you know personality issues or flaws or what, whatever, you know, what, if you want to call it a flaw. But um, so I, I, I think the idea that they're, you know, he <coughs> is taking the easy way out in that sense um you know, he is joining better players, obviously. He is joining Steph Curry, and, um, you know, I, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, because th there was definitely the perception that when LeBron left that he was joining Wade's team, and I don't think anybody thought of it as Wade's team by, you know, uh, you know, after the second season or so. And, that, and part of that was because Wade, um, you know, he dealt with injuries and wasn't playing the whole time, and, you know, he, he clearly stepped aside for Durant. I, I wonder if there's going to be anything, if we see that from Steph at all, of him taking a step back or, you know, whether these injuries they dealt with in the finals or, you know, if any of that's going to, like, you know, linger on and limit him or, you know, if he just isn't going to quite get there athletically again. I mean, I, it's obviously hard to say, but I do think, I mean, you know, Durant is third all-time points per game. I mean, I, I think that's, like, <laughs> easy to forget that he is, 
he has been a tremendous superstar on the court and you know maybe part of the reason why um he has you know there's a thought that maybe he'll blend in and won't stand out is because he he's definitely a superstar on the court but I, i don't know if he's a superstar in terms of like fame and in terms of like reputation on certain levels like i don't you know i don't feel like he's been a guy who um i i think the free agency i think this move has been like by far the most that he's you know been discussed i, I mean and it's a big event obviously but i do feel like there is like a um there is sort of a gap between the ability of a player that Durant is and his level of fame and his level of buzz. And I, and I, I'm not really sure why that it's, I, I, I find that interesting though. Yeah, no, I, I have noticed that as well. And I was uh, in driving home today, I was listening to a few different podcasts and, and people were kind of equating that a little bit of like that. He, he seems like a guy that when you look at his numbers and you look at, at how good he is, that he should be like, considered like the you know one of the but you know the top nba stars the most mar- one of the more marketable guy and he's just he's just kind of not and it i i don't know exactly if that's you know by choice of him or by choice of advertisers or it, it what's really done it or maybe you know it is the market size yeah. but we see that you know people bring that up all the time but there you know there's a lot of plenty of markets uh that guys aren't i just think he's kind of a He's the guy that I remember when he first came into the league, he was getting a bunch of stuff. And then slowly but surely, he he kind of didn't. You, you know, he just started playing basketball. He just be, was a basketball player. And that's why, you know, it's a little bit interesting that people ascribe him to being, you know, or, or like you said, the behavior of a superstar. Of how is it? He's just a guy. I, I've always had this feeling of Kevin Durant that he's a guy that just like kind of likes playing basketball. And that's kind of it. You know what I mean? Like he uh, he has other interests outside of basketball and stuff here and there. But he's just a guy that. I don't know that he wants, you know, this fame of okay, now I can get in the movies and I can do this, and, except for Thunderstruck, which is one of the greatest movies of, of sure, <laughs> any era. Sure. But uh, uh, I never saw it. I don't know. I, 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 we're gonna. I we're don't gonna care assume. to see it either. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm sure it's not very good. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. But you know, he just seems like a guy who just likes playing basketball, and it's like, hey, you, you know, whatever. Like he wants to play basketball with some other guys and be on a cool team that has some. You know, this is going to be a fun team. I think that's the thing that's that's most interesting is it's not just. Oh my, you know, with a lot of these superstar teams, when we saw that with the first year of the big three Miami Heat, it was like, oh no, who's going to get the ball or how are they going to get the ball or what's the offense going to look like? And we saw with that first year Miami, nobody like Wade kind of dribbled a lot and then you'd pass to LeBron and LeBron would dribble a lot. And like, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem with Golden State. So I can see the appeal from Durant's side as like, hey, this is going to be a lot of fun. Like I'm going to have a lot of fun playing basketball, which I haven't really done in a few years where it's been a lot of the load has been on me and a lot of the, it, it just hasn't been a fun offense either in Oklahoma city. It hasn't been a very fun team. It's been a very kind of serious thing. And then now in Golden state, it's going to be, Hey, we just kind of pass and shoot and it's going to be, you know, in that way it's going to be a little fun. So I get it from that standpoint. He's not, a, he's just a guy that likes playing basketball. And it, it's just, it's interesting that every superstar in our mind or in the media's mind or narrative mind has to be this just undying killer that wants, you know, nothing more, than to win a championship, and and that is true. It's a little bit of what Durant's doing, but in a sense, he's also trying to do it while having fun, which isn't that kind of <laughs> like it's kind of admirable in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think the 2015 season, and and he was hurt, so this definitely part uh, part of the way to do with it. Although he was healthy at the time at the All Star game, but he had fewer All Star game votes than Marcin Gortat that year, which um just <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean he's had other years where he's been higher up so it, it's not that's not like the only time that ever happened but it was like sort of stunning of like how 
Well, it's not that NBA All Star Game voters are always like, "Well, no, he's injured. He's not that. Like, I'm not going to vote for right. him." They're not like the most astute, yeah. voting uh, right. populace yeah. in the world. I, like, I, I guess the point is, once he was out of sight, he was definitely out of mind for people, and yeah. and that wouldn't that wouldn't happen with a Kobe or with you know the the, the super duper stars, and, and you know maybe going to Golden State will you know or Jeremy Lin. increase that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, some of that, I think, personality-wise, some of it, I think, is, you know, being in Oklahoma City, being in a, a small market. Some of it is just, like, um, the guy who's sort of the cult hero on that team is Russell Westbrook, uh, just, you know, with the the reckless abandoned style. And I think for Durant, it's sort of, like, um, maybe it, like, seems a little bit too easy the way that he plays. I mean, I, it obviously, we, we know better than that, but I, it is just sort of, like, he's just this smooth score. He's like George Gervin, but, like, incredible at everything. Um, but, it you know, to, it looks... Um, maybe it looks a little bit too easy, you know, even though he's making difficult jump shots like um, Steph Curry, but uh, you know, not quite as spectacular. But I guess if you're a six ten guy doing that, it's not quite. It doesn't inspire the same awe uh, necessarily. Um. So um, so so we looking at sort of historically how we've looked at player movement, um. And, you know, I think we all understand why Bird, Magic, and Jordan didn't switch teams, um, you know, because free agency wasn't really an option um, until the late 80s, uh, unrestricted free agency anyway. There was limited free agency from the late 70s, you know, for that, for, for a decade or so, but mm-hmm. um, it was all restricted free agency. Um, and also, you know, Bird and Magic, they went into winning situations and, um, and uh, you know, won basically for the entire decade. There was no reason for them to leave. Um, Jordan and historically great franchises. Yeah, too. yeah, Let, exactly. You know, with with great backbones of you know, hey, look at all these rings and look at you know the great leadership we've had for, for you know decades now. And and that's yeah, that that's important. Yeah, and um, and Jordan, you know, he the, now the Bulls struggled for a few seasons. To it took a while to build a good team around him. Um, but you know he didn't have the length of time to um you know although he he definitely dealt with like why hasn't jordan won a title yet it's been you know seven eight years but um but you know i i I don't i don't know if there was ever any serious you know um thoughts that he might you know move on at some point i mean there there was sort of the gradual building to more success and they you know they never once they started to rise they never really took a step back they just kind of kept going and going you know climbing up the ladder so um, there wasn't that level of disappointment, whereas with the Thunder, you know, they got there at, in 2012 when um, Durant was really young and, 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 you know, the other guys were really young. And um, and then, you know, once it's kind of stalled out, there was that feeling of disappointment and um, that, that that feeling of, oh, you mm-hmm. know, we haven't gotten there. That, that certainly I think that finals run maybe did more. I don't want to say damage because damage isn't the right word, but just changed the perception to a lot of people because it was like, oh, cool. This is a team that can make the, you know, this is a perennial final, finals contender or whatever. And then, of course, uh, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. There were some, you know, issues in terms of the NBA and the CBA and things like that, that sort of, you know, they weren't able to kind of keep the same team together. They had to mix a little bit of more movement than, you know, they probably would have liked and and, and whatnot. So they, it kind of caused a little bit of an issue because, you know, of course, the Harden trade is one that people will always look at as, okay, you know, they made the finals, then they trade Harden and then they don't get back there and then now it's all blown up and it's all gone or whatever. Well, yeah, that that is something, but there's also a bunch of different issues too. You know, injuries were a huge part too, you know, you know multiple years where you know you lose Westbrook one year you lose Ibaka one year and then you lose Durant you know in 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 three consecutive years they essentially lost one of their big three players and and you always wonder what would have happened if those three guys would have been there you know where they have at least made another finals run but I always look at that 2012 year as like 
it, it not damaged, but it just kind of changed a lot of perceptions. Like, okay, they've arrived now. Let's go. We're ready to go. And it's like, ah, maybe they weren't ready to be there at that point yet. Maybe it was a few more years until they had to kind of coalesce and get together. But there was always that pressure then because they made it that one time. Yeah. So and and the to what seemed like their credit at the time, the Thunder didn't necessarily overreact and um you know try to rush it with them. I mean, they 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 kind of kept you know um guys with upside they didn't necessarily you know they they didn't make short-term decisions that would have um led to bad long-term consequences i guess the 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 problem with that is once they were ready to um once they were ready to get to the point where okay it's time for us to start winning and start you know um building this team around uh durant and westbrook they you know they had the problems that were that we've kind of got gotten into a little bit and they're going to discuss further but um you know do you there's the yeah i know matt moore was talking and others were talking about this today um the rings culture the idea of like if you aren't a championship winner you are nothing and you are terrible is that to blame for this does that put like so much pressure on these guys that they feel like they have to um you know go to uh go, go to a situation even if you're you know obviously upsetting a you know because you you know, we don't know Durant personally, but from a basketball perspective, Oklahoma City was a pretty good to very good situation for him. Like, you know, yeah. if, if, if the Warriors weren't there, they're absolutely a team that has a good chance to win a championship. And, you know, even even still the, you know, the dynasty potential is there. But is it just, you know, is, is it is it that? And it, do you think that's a new thing or do you think that's kind of always been part of the NBA? Yeah, I mean, the rings culture thing, I, I don't like it. I hate it. And you, you know, anybody that listens to this podcast knows that we try to look beyond just that and beyond just, I mean, it looked top 50 argument that we did last year, you know, top 50. It, there was a lot of people. We did our second best team of the 90s, and everybody said, oh, well, it has to be, you know, Houston because they won the other titles. And we're like, no, 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 you know, these teams were very good in the 90s too, even though they didn't win titles. We've always been that. And I think that's something I've always enjoyed about this podcast is we've tried to look beyond just, you know, championships and rings and try to look at more of the nuance or whatever. But, it's just it, it 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 maybe in a way it's to blame. Uh, I'm not in his head like you said. I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure that plays a part in it. I'm sure, like you said, if if Durant is a guy that hears this criticism, that hears this stuff, we know LeBron is a guy that takes you know a lot of criticism to heart or whatever. That yeah, I'm sure they, they hear that stuff all the time. They, it, it's just it's a part of the way we consume sports, and it's not just a basketball thing. It, it happens to be very big in basketball, but in NF, the NFL, it's a huge thing with quarterbacks. Oh, you haven't won a Super Bowl. Well, you're not an elite quarterback yet, but then you win a Super Bowl, and okay, now you're an elite quarterback. Like, instantly, just like that, you know, you, you, you win three or four games, and now you're elite. You're great. You're the best, you know, <laughs> going on right now. And, um, you know, baseball, level less so you see it, but it's it's in a lot of ways, it's so embedded in our culture, and that's what I replied to Matt uh, a little bit earlier on Twitter when I talked about it, is that I don't know if it's really going to go away, and it's, it's it's not a new thing at all. It's something that's been around for a while, but seems to be yeah. especially big in today's sports culture and sport because it's just a very easy way to talk and consume sports. Like I, I think again, like I mentioned, we do I think a very good job of of looking at the nuance, and many writers do a great job of it. You know, there's tons of basketball bloggers right now that are are just doing an incredible job of looking beyond that. But for the masses, it's a very easy way to discuss sports. It's very easy to get on. Uh, a sports talk show and say, well, this guy's a failure because he hasn't won the big one, or how do you win a championship? Or give, you know, it's a very easy way. It's it's success fail. It's win loss. It's very like it's very black and white. There's not nuance to it. It's 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 so simple to just say that. So, I I think it's so embedded in our culture that I don't know if it's going anywhere. And I'm, I mean, I think it it probably is partially to blame, but I think there's also other factors that you have to look into uh, a little bit as well. But as far as the new thing, I think we can go back and we've in this podcast looked in the 
past that it's not necessarily a brand new thing that all of a sudden in the last 10 years you have to win a title or you're nothing because there's many examples of it you know decades ago of of there being questions about certain players because they hadn't won a championship or you know a bill russell reaching the you know the apex of the nba because he won the titles and will chamberlain not because he hadn't won the title so it's not necessarily a new thing but i think there's a lot of hyper focus on it these days more than maybe ever yeah and i and we're obviously aware of it because social media too i mean that that, that changes yeah. how you know we, we kind of the lens through which we view everything if we're obsessed with social media which many of us uh you know the obsessive basketball fan and the obsessive uh twitter you know um basketball fan that that's very a lot of overlap there not everyone by any means but um but that's you know where the conversation you know is is for us and for a lot of people um so you know do you think because there there's this idea there's obviously there's value in these guys who stay with their teams and are the 10 poles of their franchises you know Dirk being with the Mavericks that's incredibly valuable to Dirk the Mavericks in the NBA you know Kobe Duncan those guys that that creates you know kind of a stability that creates like you know um those teams and are going to get paid attention to because they have those stars and because they've been there forever they've built this equ- equity uh they've built this interest through that they've had these accomplishments through that but there's also incredible value on having players switch teams and these new combinations and that you know obviously free agency is driven it drives an incredible amount of interest in the league and trades and you know that that's very exciting to imagine how these how these teams would take shape with new players you know uh how the chemistry will work how it will work on and off the court you, you know all these things these are all all these stories are really interesting i i don't know if right now in the nba if there's do you think there's the right balance between those two things like for, to you as a fan ignoring like whether um it's good or bad for the players we, we can get that that can be a separate discussion uh we, i think we both want what's best for the players but just for you as a fan do you feel like there's too much movement with stars or do you feel like about the right amount or you, you know what's your feeling on that i would say maybe a little too much in terms of i think especially with the way we look at like athletic peaks these days and when guys sort of reach their athletic peaks in a lot of ways you know it's to me i would like it a little bit more if these guys stayed on a little bit like if durant you know, and again, I'm not saying that I want him, you know, like you said, I don't want him to not make, you know, the max amount of money until he's like 30 or whatever. But I like the idea of a guy getting to, you know, that age 30 or, or something like that. And that's not to say that, again, you know, I'd, I'd be fine if the teams gave them that money, but there was a benefit other than just the bird rights to let a team sort of keep the guys that they draft and and go for it a little bit more. Because I would like to see a, a Durant and a Westbrook, you know, maybe a few more years. You know what I mean? Like maybe until they're 30 when you can really say, OK, they've reached their athletic peak. They haven't done it, and okay, we, we know now. But at the same time, I don't want them to be, you know, a guy like a DeMarcus Cousins, I look at, and I go, oh, man, he's, like, just stuck in Sacramento. And it's, like, it'd be so cool to see him on a different team. And there's so many guys where you see. So, it, 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 to me, maybe it's a little too much. But at the same time, I, I, I don't. I don't want it to become very restrictive either because there are plenty of guys that I look at and I go, oh man, I wish that guy could go somewhere or I wish that guy could kind of move on and, and do that. So it, it, I'm very conflicted in that sense where in a particular case like a Durant, I would like a few more years to kind of see, okay, now he's 
Because I, I really think that Durant's reached his peak the past you know few years, and really like to see him okay live out that peak with the team that drafted him with Oklahoma City and do that. Yeah. But at the same time, there are also tons of examples like I mentioned, like a Demarcus and a few other guys where it's like, ah oh, man, I really can't wait till I can kind of get away from their terrible franchise. But that's only because I value Oklahoma City as a franchise, and I don't value you know Sacramento as a franchise sure. or a few other teams. So that, that's where I'm a little bit conflicted in that. Yeah, and it would be a neat story if Sacramento got his act together and was able to build a good team around uh, Boogie, and then they were able to you know start making playoffs and making great runs and you know and and you know maybe a shocking deep run in the playoffs. I mean that, that'd be a good story too um it, it seems like they're a long way from that if ever but um you know so there is that I mean you know Jordan as we talked about you know overcame you know they 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 were not a good team for about four years or so before you yeah. know, they, they, they kind of picked it up in like, you know, years five, six and seven. But um, so it wasn't to the level of what of what uh, Cousins has dealt with. And Cousins certainly contributes a lot of things to uh, that situation, too. But, uh, yeah, I I. I, I, I think I'm okay with kind of how it is uh, for the most part. Like, I, 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 I like that there are incentives for players to stay with one team, that the, that the incumbent team does have some advantages. I think there is good – it is a good thing in stability f- for the league and for, you know, me personally watching as a fan. Um, you know, it would kind of suck to have guys just change teams all the time and, you know, no, no one to stay at their teams. I, I, so it, it's neat when guys do – but, you know, like, like I said, obviously, if you add, you know, what I believe is right for the players, I, I think they should have that freedom and, and they should have that. And, and you know, and, and and I don't fault them, you know, for um, making that decision. I, I, I don't think it's bad morally. I, I, I see where, you know, there's some, um, you know, obviously there, there, there are costs and benefits to. Uh, to the league um so you there's there's sort of talk of doing certain things like um you know maybe you increase the max salary just get rid of max salary um although you run into issues like what minnesota dealt with trying to rebuild around kevin garnett in the mid 2000s when he took up so much of the salary they had a tough time building around him and there were other things there are other things they screwed up too that that kept them from you know being able to do that but that was a huge hindrance for them mm-hmm. um you know, or, or something I don't like and I doubt that you would like either is like an NFL style franchise tax. I think that just puts too much power with the team. I, I do think that yeah, right, I yeah. do think increasing the max salary that there's a benefit to the players there, although I worry about getting rid of the max salary just because I think concentrating the wealth on on so few elite players um, has sort of a problem on its own, mm-hmm. even though I. I see the argument that those are really the players who are driving the league, so they should make you know a whole lot of, of money. But I, I think um, I, I like the idea of sharing the wealth better for like you know I, I think that's better overall for the players in the league. But you know there, there's um, that's something where I can kind of see both sides. But I, I don't know. Is there any any of those ideas or any any that I haven't mentioned that you really think would be like a strong like okay we can change the league to kind of keep this from happening again or is it you know, this again this is sort of a co- one-time confluence of a bunch of circumstances that we talked about the huge cap jump steph's low salary etc that and this is it you know nothing quite like this has ever happened before it's kind of unlikely to ever happen again yeah i think one thing that i, I don't believe you mentioned and one thing that i've sort of thought in my mind that would be decent but it kind of it, it's got some little caveats to it is that you know, you can sign you you can sign your incumbents, you know, with the bird rights, and you can go over the luxury tax, and you have to pay that penalty, and then you pay the repeater penalty, and you do all that sort of stuff. Maybe lessening those penalties, so it's like, okay, I can, you know, in the case of Oklahoma City, they always the reason they didn't 
re-sign James Harden is because they didn't want to get into the penalty. They didn't want to get into the, the, the tax penalty, pay repeater taxes as a small market. They, in their mind, thought that they couldn't afford that. And we sort of were talking to people on Twitter a little bit earlier, and you were mentioning, well, hey, I don't know if they couldn't afford that. You know, they said that, but we don't know that. Like, we don't know these teams make a lot of money. Like, maybe they could do that. So... But at the same time, that's what they sell. That's what they say. These franchises go, hey, look, we can't get into this. We can't do that. So we're going to have to trade a guy like a James Harden in his prime, a guy that was just about to, you know, ascend to another level and was it was just about getting there. That Oklahoma City, unfortunately, with the confluence of different things that happened, we're looking at it going, hey, look, we have to pay Durant because of the Derrick Rose rule. We have to give him more money. Uh, we want to. We just resigned Serge Ibaka. We just resigned. You know, Russell. There's nothing else we can do. You know, it, the only way we can keep James Harden is if we just guarantee that we're going to pay this luxury tax. We're going to pay this repeater tax, which is a bad, it's a big penalty. And for te- some teams, you know, the Thunder sold it as we can't do that. Sorry, we have to trade James Harden. That's something where maybe you look at and you go, okay, maybe if there wasn't so much of a penalty for that, maybe if there was a way that you can sort of get away from that. But at the same time, that would be a problem because there would be. It, well, you, you get situations again where where the rich teams again could just kind of re-sign their guys forever, and then those guys never move or leave. Whereas one of the benefits of the max deal and one of the benefits of these things is that lesser teams can get in the room with these free agents. You know, we we sort of always think that every big star goes to just the biggest market and that's it. And that's but it doesn't happen that way. A lot of times, you know, right now we're dealing with a situation where the Denver Nuggets of all people are talking to Dwayne Wade and actually in the room with Dwayne Wade because they have the most money. And Dwayne Wade might be saying, hey, look, I built this legacy in Miami. You know, Cleveland wants me, but these Nuggets guys are going to give me a lot of money. It's like, well, you know what? Hey, like I'm, you know, 32 years old, 33. That's not a bad idea if I do that. Like, I don't know. I don't know that they're going to sign him and I doubt they will. But it keeps those smaller market teams in the conversation if they're able to give that money. Whereas if you if you basically said, hey, these penalties are lesser or whatever, the big market teams are still going to kind of dominate in that way. And I don't know if there's any way to ever solve that kind of conundrum. But that might be one tool is to maybe make the repeater tax not as big of a penalty or maybe the luxury tax. Maybe you, when you use those bird rights and go over the, your salary cap, that maybe you don't get penalized all that much. But again, we're, we're talking about a very specific situation like Oklahoma City where just a ton of stuff went wrong at the exact right time for them that, that it just kind of didn't work. Yeah, and a bunch of stuff went right for the Golden, for Golden State at the exact right, time. Right, right. Yeah, so it, it, it's a... It's obviously a big confluence of things. So um, there was a really great article by uh, Roger Sherman of SB Nation kind of looking at the uh, closest parallels to Durant uh, joining a uh, power team. We, we saw we thought of some of these independently as well. But um, uh, so you know, the, the two that I, I think are kind of the strongest, uh, well, maybe three. Um, one is Wilt Chamberlain joining the 1969 Lakers to team up with Jerry West and Baylor. Um, Wilt had, was the 1968 MVP with, um, with Philadelphia. They had won the title in 67. The, you know, West and Baylor had, um, you know, had, had made the finals uh, five times in seven years and losing each time, of course. So Wilt was kind of there to get them over the hump. We've talked about this a lot during our WrestleMania podcast. So there's no need to get into the details again, but it, it, they, they did end up winning a championship in 72, but it was kind of a disappointment overall. Um, part of the issue was that they kind of had to gut their roster to get Wilt going there. And also Wilt was 32. Uh, Baylor, I, I think, was 34. And West was, th- I believe, 32 as well. So these guys were definitely in an advanced uh, stage of their career, although they were still, particularly West and um, Chamberlain, were still incredibly effective players. Um 
the one that I think is the closest to the situation is um, Moses Malone in 1983. He, he mm-hmm. had won the MVP with the Rockets in 82. Then he ended up signing an offer sheet to the uh, 76ers. It was basically a restricted free agency type situation. And instead of matching the the Rockets, it worked out sort of a sign-in trade with um, the uh the Sixers and the Sixers had been to the finals in 82. They were not quite as elite of a team and really their only star was Irving, although they had some other, you know, very good players, Bobby Jones, Maurice Cheeks, that sort of thing. And then they would really be a dominant team in 83 and would, would sweep their way to uh, the championship versus the uh, Lakers. So, uh, you know, Moses was, uh, he was around 28, 29 at this point. So he was, you know, still in his twenties. He would kind of, start to fade a little bit starting in 84, although he was still, you know, a very good player for a number of years. So, you know, this is the one, you know, Moses was not leaving quite the powerhouse that the Thunder were, although the Rockets had, um, you know, they made the finals in 81. Um, so they were not, you know, they, they, they weren't a, uh, they, they, they were you know, a pretty good team, but this is, I definitely think the one where a prime star who was the MVP joining a powerhouse, the, the, the closest one to me that I could think of, of, you know, kind of fitting with the age timeline and fitting with a, you know, a team that lost in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Uh, of course there's, you know, Shaq joining the, the 97 Lakers, but that wasn't a team that was, yeah. you know, yeah. he was obviously, uh, you know, super dominant at that point, just, right. you know, in the peak of his career, but that was a team that, you know, yeah, they, you know Nick Van Exel right. and like, you know, Eddie Jones. And it's like, yeah, they won like 43 games. Yeah. Adele Harris was their coach and like fun. But it wasn't like yeah. that. It was, you know, it wasn't like, OK, you know, this powerhouse just got even better. Whereas, yeah, that Sixers and Moses is probably the closest comp that you can come up with, even though that Rockets team isn't as good as the uh, the, the Thunders, rather uh, the Thunder, rather that. Yeah, I, I agree. That's probably the closest comp we do. have. Yeah, the, the, the Shaq. The, now, that Lakers team won some of the 56 games the year before, but they did have to you know, they, they 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 got rid of a lot of divots and they they had to cut a little bit to to get Shaq in there so um so it wasn't like it was quite replaced you know it wasn't quite joining this powerhouse and obviously the Lakers had playoff struggles until you know until Phil, Phil got there in 2000 so um it, you know it, it wasn't there you know I mean the other ones that were mentioned I think are interesting is Earl Monroe joining the uh joining the Knicks uh you know uh, uh two years after they'd won the championship and, uh, you know, had uh, demanded a trade from Baltimore after they couldn't come to a salary agreement and then teamed up with uh, Clyde Frazier and Willis Reed and then won a title in uh, 73. And, and, and interesting because Monroe had actually struggled to fit in for a while. His playing time went down. He almost became a uh, you know bench player for a while before he kind of, you know, started to, um, you know, go back a little bit to his old self, even if he had to kind of change his uh, uh, playing style but um I, I don't i don't predict that's going to quite happen to Durant, but um but but that one's sort of interesting in in where you know it, it was kind of a uh you know he really had to take a, a backseat role uh for that team and we're gonna have more on that uh, coming up uh soon when we talk about the yeah. uh the knicks in our uh on our mysteries of the 70s project so um a couple other big ones i i i think um yeah, obviously you uh you had fun with this one on twitter uh, charles barkley uh 
couple of instances. <laughs> yes, because, uh, of course, Charles Barkley today, um, as he's wont to do, and I think uh, PSA, maybe we should just all stop listening to what anything Charles Barkley ever says, but uh, people still like to listen to it and react to it, and now, but uh, there we go. Anyway, he uh, he was, you know, I forgot the exact phrasing, but I think something of, you know, a coward, or I don't know what the hell word he used exactly to describe, you know, Kevin Durant uh, going to the Warriors, but uh, it was kind of funny because I dug up a New York Times article from 1996 when Barkley, of course, uh, was traded to the Rockets, and uh, the New York Times uh, little tidbit from here says, Barkley, intent on winning an uh, NBA title before he retires, said, uh, and this is a quote, I'm very excited. Obviously, it's something I wanted to do. Houston was my first priority, and Houston, of course, um, had you know won back-to-back titles uh, you know, very close after before this, you know, 1996, and people sort of look at, oh, well, Barkley, you know, when he got, you know, he was winding down, but he was pretty damn good in Phoenix, you know, even that last year. It was really when he went to Houston that it all kind of started to fall apart, and and his body, you know, was sort of starting to, you know, play tricks on him, and he was just ended up kind of breaking down uh, very quickly after that. But he was still a very productive, very good player. I think he was 31 at this point. But yeah, here's an example of a guy that, you know, not so much his choice to join that team, but mentions in a quote, Houston was my first priority, which I'm sure he said, hey, here's a few teams I wouldn't mind going to. And oh, by the way, there's that team that has, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler and all, you know, has these decent players on it. Hey, I wouldn't mind going to that team. So you look at that and 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 that's another situation again that he can, you know, say, oh, Durant's out of this and Durant's that. But, you know, you kind of did the same thing, Charles. Sure. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the, he said he that Durant tried to cheat his way to a championship. Cheats. That's that, right. That not, I, was, not a so. coward. I forgot who said yes. that. Somebody else said yeah. that, but I forgot who. Um, oh, that was uh, Screaming A. Smith. Uh, the, again, right. uh, yet another guy we should probably stop listening to and reacting yeah, that, to. That, that, still, that, so. That's probably a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and then also, I mean, similar thing with the '93 Suns, where he he forced he forced his way out of Philly. Um, now, you know, granted, Philly got Jeff Hornacek back, who was a very good player. So, although they were, you know, the, the Suns were had been to the conference finals a couple of times, were a mid '50s win team, so they were they were set up as well. Again, none of these teams are quite as stacked as last year's Warriors were, but you know, as we said, that that. Uh, there are very small number of teams that could uh, say that. And I, the other one is, of course, LeBron and um, in 2011 with the Heat. And, you know, like people say, well, the Heat weren't a good team before it came in. Well, yeah, but they got a chance to form, um, you know, a, a a incredible big three, you know, the one of the biggest accumulations of talent of all time uh, on that team. So the fact that, it, you know, it, it makes it a little bit different that, of course, the Warriors – have are able to have, have more depth and have more established but i i, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's that different like it's not like I, so people were making that comparison and are like you can't make that comparison you know but i, I think it's it, it's pretty similar like it, it's definitely um you know at, at a similar level of how you're you know a superstar um you know, choosing this this power team and you know, people definitely were obviously aghast at it at the time um and obviously the reaction was somewhat similar to what a Durant is dealing with, but probably not quite as fierce as what Durant was dealing with, but it was still, or, or opposite. I, James dealt with much more criticism than Durant is dealing with, but, yeah. um, and the heat always felt like kind of a sleeping giant at that point. Too. I mean, you knew that they were kind of bad and like, but you knew that at some point, especially with Pat Riley at the helm and Dwayne Wade still in his prime and, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, having won a title a few years ago, that that was a team that wasn't just going to go, all right, well, for the rest of Wade's career, we're just going to be bad. Like, you know, right. we're just going to have Jermaine O'Neal and we're just going to be terrible for like the next like 10 years. Like you knew that there was something like if Pat Riley wasn't just going to sit back and let that happen and Dwayne Wade wasn't just going to sit and let that. So you always kind of had this feeling that, yeah, while the heat in that year weren't good or maybe the year first you know, the years prior, 
you kind of always had a feeling that that was a sleeping giant team. I, I always at least had that feeling. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, and they specifically, um, you know, were taking a step back in the year before they got LeBron to, you know, to have a chance with him, to not put money in their books and, and so forth. It was obviously very smart and it, and it worked out very well for them. Um, so, you know, as far as the Thunder go, uh, you know, um, Ian Levy wrote a great piece on how they kind of fit among the best dynasties to <laughs> never win a title. Um, so I think we should talk about that because I think that's a really interesting. Yeah, th- th- that's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, it was on uh, fansided.com and you can uh, look it up. Of course, it's, um, you, you know, greatest NBA dynasties without a title um, is, is, I believe, the title of it. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting. So they um, he uses I'm not going to get into the kind of the gory math of what he uses to produce this dynasty score. Uh, but but basically, it's a little bit of SRS and point differentials and adjusted point differentials and that sort of stuff. And, and it, it, you don't have to know that to necessarily know the, the rankings of the guys. But definitely check out the article if you're, if you're curious on how we got to this point uh, and kind of the math details of it. But uh, when you look at the Thunder and, and, you know, sort of dynasties without a championship, they're right up there. I mean, they're very, very close. Uh, Ian does mention that, you know, if you, he did not include the... 2015-2016 season because I guess their their SRS wasn't at this level of 2.5 or whatever. Yeah. But and, if you do add them there, and that there, was the yeah. year that Durant was hurt. So right, exactly. So that sort of stopped their you know dynasty in that sense. But in a way, if you really add that um, and you get the seven full seasons of the of that team, uh, they they take a huge leap up to like this top tier group. And, and and this group just to kind of give you an idea of these teams, these dynasties without championships. Uh, the number one is the Utah Jazz, of course. The Stockton Malone, you know, ninety three to two thousand one. Uh, they have 48 dynasty points, eight seasons without a title. Uh, after them is the Dallas Mavericks of the early 2000s, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks of the uh, early 80s and th- throughout the 80s, uh, the Seattle Supersonics of the early 90s, Phoenix Suns of the, the late 80s, you know, mid-90s, uh, Sacramento Kings, of course, the Chris Webber, Jason Williams, slash Mike Bibby, you know, Vladi, uh, Peja teams, uh, the Portland Trailblazers of the early 90s and then basically late 80s then you have the thunders right there and that's without that you know 2015 2016 season uh then a few others kind of want to know the clippers uh this current clippers incarnation the denver nuggets of the late mellow to what you know post mellow time and then the phoenix suns as well the seven seconds or less phoenix suns are right up there as well but uh yeah while they're not like the level of the utah jazz or even the dallas mavericks of the early 2000s Oklahoma city is right up there as like a a dynasty that just couldn't get it done but we're very very good yeah, absolutely. And this the the teams this is in 79. So the three-point era or, or 80s. So, so the three-point era of teams. So this isn't including right. some of the early teams. I mean obviously the, you know, the the the, the Baylor um West Lakers would, you know, definitely be a, a candidate as well and um you know, there are some teams that who only who only won one championship who I would kind of consider would be dynasties. Um uh, obviously the um uh, the Milwaukee Bucks of the early seventies, um, Philadelphia 76ers of the, um, uh, of the late sixties before, you know, Wilt demanded a trade. Uh, they weren't quite as, as long here. They didn't win a championship, but the, um, about the magic of the, uh, of the mid nineties amount, that's obviously a, you know, huge comparison with Shaq and Penny for those four seasons were a, a tremendous young team. Uh, a lot of, I think a lot of parallels between, um, between those teams as well so yeah i, I mean i i think they definitely are uh, uh, among that uh conversation of what if and yeah i mean obviously it's a huge bummer if you're a thunder fan and it, it it's sad to lose a favorite player um 
you know, so those feelings are completely understandable. Uh, not not less understandable, uh, and I I understand this only reflects a very very small percentage of the fan base is you know making videos of like uh, you know a bunch of people shooting guns at Durant's jersey and uh, you know and, and putting it on fire and stuff like that. That's obviously like a um, uh, that's a weird thing, and of course reminiscent on upon some of the reactions that uh, you know some Cavs fans had upon uh, LeBron leaving. Yeah, it's always fun. But of course, uh, as people always have to mention, there's probably, you know, <laughs> millions of people or, or at least thousands that did not react that way. But of course, they don't uh, they don't put vines or, or people don't share vines of a guy yeah. like carefully like being like, oh, OK, well, that's all right. Yeah. Like, no vines of that gets uh, retweeted. Yeah, you don't you, you, don't, you don't share vines of your kid not crying at <laughs> right. Every kid being like, oh, all right, well, whatever. We still yeah, have Russell. Right, like, we'll be OK. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. So to you, the one thing that we we, we kind of got into this a little bit, but but I, I, we should get into a little bit more. You know, does to you does this make the NBA seem more boring or more inevitable to you? In a way, yes. I, I'm kind of conflicted in this because yes, it sort of does because I said it like I really love that Thunder Warriors that budding rivalry. I really thought that was going to be really cool to see that sort of uh, mature and get older and then these guys kind of finally maybe get over the hump and they beat the Warriors and the whatever. But that's kind of that, to me that's boring that now we lose that and it seems kind of boring that the Warriors are like oh my God they're just so easily the favorites. Uh, of course in the West you know the, maybe they still have some trouble with Cleveland or whoever in the NBA Finals or whatever. But it almost seems like an inevitability that that the Warriors are going to make it to the NBA Finals because they made it to the NBA Finals without Kevin Durant. Now they have you know the top five player in the league yeah. added to their team. So that's kind of boring in that sense. But the not boring part is like I said with, with the heat pick three is that every game the Warriors are in now is much watched TV regardless of who they're against because you know that that fan base whether they're on the road or or, or, or whatever that fan base is just going to want to beat them there no matter who it is no matter if it's your Orlando Magic if it's whoever they all that team wants to do and all that especially you even get that with teams that aren't very good or teams that have you know 10 wins or whatever that's a big deal to okay the Warriors are coming. Let's see. Let, let's try to beat them. Like teams get up for that. Crowds get up for that. You know it's going to be sold out wherever they go. You know that I'm gonna. You know if I have a chance to go to a game in Chicago, that's going to be a, a, come unglued. The crowd's going to go nuts for every single thing because it's we toppled the Warriors. And anytime they win, it's going to be this giant thing, and everyone's going to make a big deal about it. And everyone's going to be watching about it the highlights. So that that part of it's kind of fun that you have this sort of big heel team that now everybody wants to beat and everybody cannot wait to sort of topple and everyone's going to bring their best. But it seems like at the end of the day, they're still just going to kind of make the NBA Finals, and then the fun's going to start. So the the West Conference fi- or the West Conference playoffs rather become a little less fun in that sense. But we don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen. They might have some trouble gelling. There might be a team that emerges out of nowhere. This Phoenix that rises. You know, all of a sudden Utah becomes awesome. You know what I mean? Like that's the fun part that you still get. So in a way, it is boring because I feel like the Western Conference is kind of settled. But it's cool to have a super team, and it's cool to have these teams sort of vie to beat that super team as well. Yeah, yeah right. I mean it. it like obviously in the past um dynasties have been good for the nba's business um is there a point in which the warriors could get so dominant that it drives people away i i, I don't know um i mean I, I guess it's possible but i um it's hard you know as personally as a fan i mean I, i'm gonna have a lot of interest in what the warriors do how they play um how they look i think they're going to be appealing to watch aesthetically just you know all the all the passing and all the ball movement and great shot making and being a terror in transition. I think they're going to be really good defensively too. Durant really, you showed a lot during the playoffs on, on that end. And, um, I, you know, with probably less pressure to deliver offensively, he can focus on that more, you know, whether 
they're going to be going full board during the regular season um, is a question. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be gunning for it to the point in which they win uh, 73 games or, or try to break that record. Um, but I do think that it's hard to imagine them winning like fewer than like 67 or 68 games just because of the talent that they have. I mean, anything yeah. can happen, obviously. And they are somewhat vulnerable to injuries. You know, they had to gut their team a little bit. They lost some of their depth with, um, you know, Barnes and Bogut and those guys. You know, they, they've added some veteran uh, guys, but, you know, older guys are more susceptible to injury. You know, things can happen. So, yeah, I mean, how, how much of a chance did you give the Cavs beating the Warriors going into the finals? I mean, I, oh, very right. little. I mean, I yeah. gave them like I, I, I think you know, you and I independently talked, and then when it was down three one, I was like, all right, well, yeah. the Cavs are done. Right. Like, they have no way of winning this sure. game. Like, there's zero way. Like, the team looked terrible. Kyrie was bad. Love was bad. LeBron was kind of. It was just like, oh, okay, this series is over. It's boring. I don't even care about the series at all. And then it became the greatest, you know, NBA Finals of all time. Yeah. And we had to record a podcast about how great it was and how great that Game Seven was. So yeah, yeah it's like yeah. I mean, they they looked overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean. You know, they, they had some com- they competed in some level, but yeah, it so uh, yeah, stuff can happen. I, I and you know, watching the NBA is more about like watching, you know, worrying about who wins and who loses. I mean, there's there, there's the aesthetic beauty of the game, there's just the you know, just fun and exciting of just watching basketball and watching the you know incredible athleticism and the great plays and um, seeing things that you expect and seeing things that you don't expect. I mean. You know, most of us who are fans of the league and who have a, t- have a team that we root for, um, we know that there are very, very few chances. There are very, very few teams that have a chance at winning a championship. And um, and this is probably a, a, a going to be a season in which that is that that group is even lesser than usual. But, you know, most of us live through life, re- you know, with either our team never being a contender or, you know, rarely being a contender unless we're, you know, a a fan of a few lucky franchises. So yeah, this is just kind of life, you know, this is life as an NBA fan, you know, you, um, you hope for the best and you're probably more optimistic about your team's chances than you should be. But I, you know, I, I, they obviously look like an incredible powerhouse and they're, you know, they're worth, you know, it's worth, uh, considering whether at some point they, um, make the NBA, you know, too boring, but you know, we're a long way from that, you know, with a lot of things have mm-hmm. to happen for that to happen. So, um, so to, to finish up, you, you did some looking into where Durant and Westbrook kind of rank among the all-time duos as far as, you know, kind of the numbers go. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of a quick little snapshot, Durant and Westbrook, they have, uh, 1,148 games together. Uh, in that time they accumulated, uh, an average of 86.3 win shares and, a uh, 0.198 win shares per 48. Also, uh, 24.9 points per game, 6.5 rebounds per game and 5.75 assists per game. So very good when you look at it. But, um, as far as other, you know, big duos, they're a good duo, but there are, there are a lot that are, are, are just a lot better, yeah. you know, uh, Elgin Baylor, uh, Jerry West, of course, you know, o- almost 1500 games total or a little over uh, 1500 games total, 115.8 win shares, uh, average between the two and a point, uh, one seven, eight win shares per 48. So they accumulated more, obviously with more games, a little bit less on the win shares per 48, uh, Stockton Malone is probably your duo. And, and that kind of makes sense in a lot of ways, uh, nearly 3000 games total, uh, 217.45 win shares, uh, average, and then a point two zero nine win shares per 48. So, uh, that's 
one that just kind of stands out as, as far and away probably the best of, of all time. Uh, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan, of course, uh, a little over 1,500 games total. Uh, 135.75 win shares, 0.222 uh, win shares per 48. So they're um, probably one of the better duos in terms of win shares per 48 and efficiency in that standpoint. But, you know, you look at others and you look at the games total and, and overall win shares, of course, Stockton Malone uh, above them. Uh, Bill, uh, uh, Bob Cousy and Bill Russell, uh, only uh, less than 1,000 games together, 989, uh, rather 76.5 win shares, 0.175 win shares per 48, so a little bit less. Uh, Shaq and Kobe, a little over 1,000 games total, uh, 85.3 win shares uh, average between the two, and 0.212 win shares per 48, uh, so they're very close. Um, the win shares per 48, Shaq and Kobe are a little bit above Durant and Westbrook, but in terms of like overall win shares, or, or average win shares, rather, they're right there. Uh, and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Matt Johnson, one that we kind of forget a lot of times. Uh, 1,500 games total between those two, uh, 108.85 win shares uh, average, and then a .200 win shares per 48. So you look at Durant and Westbrook, I'd say the closest comp is probably Shaq and Kobe, though. Shaq and Kobe a little bit more, and if you're into the rings argument, Shaq and Kobe has, you know, a few more rings to yeah, talk about. Which is, you know, there, it's, not, but... it's not nothing. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's still significant. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and obviously, you know, we talked to Malone, have that longevity and played so long together and had that excellence in the regular season, but obviously Pippen and Jordan stand out when it comes to the, the titles as well, even though they, and um, even though they, they didn't play as long together. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, right. I mean, it's funny that other than, um, you know, of these seven, um, you know, two of them, Durant Westbrook and Stockton Malone didn't win a championship. And then the rest of them basically, you know, fueled, well, well I guess Baylor and West didn't win a title together because West did uh, one his at the end without Baylor. But, uh, you know, four of these seven, you know, fueled basically the, you know, uh, the greatest dynasties that, you know, the league has ever had. And then, um, and and then, you know, the other half didn't. So it didn't have any or, or you know, yeah, yeah, didn't have any together at least. So that that's interesting dichotomy between the, uh, uh, between the two, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I and you know, for I, I obviously I will miss the Durant Westbrook um Thunder. I you know th- those two playing together. There there was a you know a, kind of a fun kinship between the two. The Thunder weren't always the most interesting team to watch. It did sometimes devolve into a lot of isolations and um yeah. and so forth. But obviously, you know, they they grew together. You know, Westbrook has this you know incredible manic energy. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how it goes with him being the star there, assuming he stays there. Um, and, um, you, you know, he, he and Durant were, they had a certain amount of yin and yang. And, um, and, and so, and, and to see kind of their relationship evolve and, you know, the kind of the ups and downs with, you know, the sort of them, you know, whether seeing whether that chemistry worked, I, I think their chemistry was, you know, pretty, was for the most part really good on the, on the court. So I, um, I, you know, it's, um, the, 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 I will miss that, but I do think that um, I am excited to see what the uh, you know, the future brings us with our. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Westbrook on his own too. I've, yeah. I've always I was talking to friends uh, during the uh, Western Conference Finals and so and. and... Uh, and saying, you know, hey, it would suck to have that team break up and, oh, man, it'd be bad. But, you know, I really kind of like the idea of Russell Westbrook being, like, his own guy and able to just kind of do whatever. Because, like, he's such just a, a man. It was just fun to see him just sort of unleashed. And we saw that the one year when Durant got hurt. And, of course, that team was was not great around him. But it'll be interesting to see because I think he's a better player now than he was even then. I just want to see that guy, you know, on his own. Like, I, I just just now, like, you look at that team without Durant. They probably got a chance to win forty five games. I don't think that's unrealistic that they can maybe do that. You know, with Aladipo and, and and Westbrook and a few other guys, uh, Adams who who emerge and Cantor who, who's kind of fun as well. So that'll be fun just to see kind of Westbrook on his own and and really just unchained for the first time 
um, since that Durant injury, and 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 that, that'll be fun to see. And you know, hey, the, this Golden State team is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch as well. Yeah, they'll be the biggest story if nothing else. So we, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see if we have to embrace our overlords, the Warriors, or you know whether someone <laughs> else will be able to. Uh, you know, um, match up with them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the league adjusts to them. You know, obviously, the you know that that first season is going to rival that first season for the Heat, where everyone just kind of got geared up against them. And that that first uh, Warriors Thunder matchup is going to be interesting. You know, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up that I, I I'm looking forward to. So we'll we'll see how it works out. But it'll always make the Christmas Day games always fun because you know the, the NBA always gives you a good matchup. So you'll probably get Thunder. Yeah, Warriors that, that, that on, on Christmas I, Day, I wouldn't I be surprised wait. if that were the uh, case. So. All right, Rich. Well, um, uh, everyone can uh, can check us out. They could uh, find us on um, they can find us at harborproxes.com. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Search over and back there. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook at over and back uh, NBA. So uh, drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Leave a review on uh, Stitcher and iTunes if you uh, if you listen to us on one of those platforms. We would greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back soon. We've got our uh, we got our mysteries of the 1970s project coming up that hopefully everyone will uh, get into. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.